you need to know this, that you have an enemy of your soul. You have an enemy of your soul. Some of y'all are like, man, out the gate. <laughs> like, that's the line you're going to give us from the very beginning. Can we be a little bit more positive on Father's Day? I'm going to be like Pastor Daniel. I'm positive that you have an enemy of your soul that is seeking to, here's what the word says. He seeks to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He seeks to kill, to steal, and to destroy. What is he trying to do? He's trying to move you off your post. He's trying to keep you from being everything that God's called you to be. He's trying to keep you in chaos and stress and tension. And here's what he does is he brings chaos into your marriage and he brings stress into your job and he brings sickness into your body. And, and here's the reason why I tell you these things, because the Bible tells us that we, not, we need to be aware of his devices. We need to be aware of his schemes. And so he uses all of these things in our life to keep us from being who God has called us to be. But he uses all those things. But I think the number one tool that he uses the most is this one thing is his words. He talks to us. Come on, somebody. He, he talks all the time. He talks to us about many different things. And if you don't know this, the devil is a liar. Like, like that's not just a churchy phrase for you to get all shouty. And, oh, thank you, Jesus. Like, no, it's true. The devil is a liar. Everything that he says is a lie. You need to know this. He's incapable of telling the truth. And so he lies to us about everything. He lies to us about our, our families. He lies to us about our job situations. He lies to us about people. Have y'all, have, have a situation ever been bigger in your mind and then you got in and you're like, oh my goodness, it wasn't that bad. That's because he got into it. He lies about everything. But here's the thing that I learned that he lies about the most is you. He lies to you the most about you. He tells you that you are not good enough. He tells you that, that nobody loves you. He tells you that nobody cares. He tells you that nobody sees you. He tells you that this thing is going to take you out. And here's what I know about the devil is that he speaks the loudest when the pressure is on us the most. Like, come on, y'all know when the weight of the world is on your shoulders, that's when he talks the most. That's when he talks the loudest. And he tells you those things. But you know something else that he tells us? He tells us things like, you're not very special. He tells us like, don't, nobody cares about you. You're, you're average. You're, you're common. There's nothing special about you. But here's the problem is there's nowhere in the Bible where God uses those adjectives to define us. There's nowhere. I promise you will not be able to find it where God calls us average, where he calls us common, where he calls us not special. In fact, he goes in great lengths to tell us opposite. He says things like we're chosen. Come on, somebody. He, he tells us that, that we are royalty. He tells us that we are his children. What special, what better compliment could you have than being the creator of the universe's child? Come on, somebody. He tells us this. He says that we are his workmanship, which means that he put his DNA all on us when he made us. When he made you, he formed you. He looked at you. He said, yeah, I made that. Like your quirkiness, your silliness, all the things he signed, sealed, and delivered and said, I made them. His workmanship, that's what he calls us. There's another word that he calls us. And it's this, he says that we are peculiar. Everybody say peculiar. peculiar. Some of y'all couldn't even get that out because that's a weird word. We don't say that. Some of y'all ain't said that in 2023. Some of y'all ain't said that in your whole life. Like peculiar. That's the word that he calls us. But here's what the word peculiar actually means. It means this, different. It simply means that, that we're different. And, and let me give you the definition of different. It's this, it's not the same as another. Unlike in nature, form, or quality. I love this part, distinct and separate. I love that. That's what God calls us. He says that we are distinct 
and separate. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're like distinct and separate from what? From who? From the world. We're distinct and separate from culture. We're distinct and separate from society. And so the way that life comes at us, we don't react the same way because God has made us. I'm going to give you my title. Write this down if you're taking notes. God has, we're built different. Everybody say, I'm built different. That's my title today is I'm built different. God has built us uniquely and he has wired us differently and he has built us different, separate and distinct from the world and from society. And so when the enemy lies to you, when he comes to you and he fills you with the lies in your life, here's what you got to do. You got to remind yourself, no, no, devil, I'm built different. I know you're trying to come at me in my life in this way and you're trying to speak in this way, but you know what? I react different because I'm built different. I know that you're bringing the pressures of the world, but you know what? I don't react the way that social media acts. I don't just put myself out there. I don't say those things. I respond different. Why? Because I'm built different. Everybody say I'm built different. Now, let me, let me give you, like, I need y'all to give y'all some visuals. I'm a big visual guy. Like, like I need y'all to know how different we are from the world. Like, like I'm talking about like a Fiat car and a Mack truck. Come on, somebody. Like, 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 I'm talking about, I'm talking about LeBron James and Michael Jordan. Come on, somebody. Like, and I know some of y'all are like, well, who are you saying? I'm talking about his airness. Come on, somebody. The one who made 23 great, the bald one, Jesus in gym shorts. I'm sorry. That was heretical. Don't, don't quote that. But Michael Jordan, he's built different. I'm talking about myself and our Richmond campus pastor, Gerald Hackett. Like, we're just, we're built different. Like some of y'all laughing. It's not my fault he wears medium shirts. Anyway, uh, let me give you another one. How about an Ikea couch versus your grandmama's couch? Come on, somebody. Y'all, like y'all know, grandmama's couch was built different. Like, like uh, uh, my grandmama, she just went to be with the Lord a few years ago. And uh, I'm 34 years old now, y'all. I'm 34 years old. And she had the same couch in the same place, in the same room of the house forever. Like, I, I promise y'all, she had that couch since 1927. Like, it's crazy. She's had the same couch, and it was a white couch. And y'all like, oh my gosh, how did she do it? She put that plastic on it. Y'all don't, don't know what I'm, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. She, she put the plastic on the couch, and you sat on there, and then, and then if you messed up and, and fell asleep, grandmama didn't have no AC, then you got stuck to the couch, you said, somebody help me off the couch, Jesus. But, but grandmama's couch, it was there. And, and here's what I noticed about grandmama's couches is that it was, it was always willing to withstand everything. No matter how many people were on it, no matter how long it was there, like it was always there. Wasn't the prettiest thing to look at. Wasn't the greatest thing. I wouldn't want it in my house. But anyway, it always withstood the test of time. And Ikea couch, first off, if you can get through those demonic uh, instructions, like can we just be real. Like if you can get through those things, you put it together and now it's beautiful. It's fancy. It's the staple part of your house and it looks amazing. But then like two or three years later, you walk in the house, you're like, hey, why the couch doing the shoulder lean? Like what's happening? What's coming off of that? Is that, I thought, I thought that was, it was pleather. It was pleather. I knew it. They, they told me it was leather. And you start looking at it and you're like, oh my goodness, what happened? Here's what happened is Ikea couches were built for efficiency where grandmama's couch was built for longevity. And an Ikea couch was built for design and looks. Uh, grandmama's couch was built for strength. What am I trying to tell you? I'm telling you that some of us, we want our faith to look like Ikea couch. We want it to look like easy and simple and efficient. But the problem with Ikea couches is that you can find it everywhere. It doesn't matter what church in America, you can find the same thing. But grandmama's couch, it was built different. It's built to withstand the test of time to say, you can throw whatever you got at me, enemy. You can throw whatever you got at me, devil. But I'm able to withstand 
withstand anything that you throw at me. Why? Because I'm built. I'm built different. And so let me tell you something. You can tweet. You can post. You can, I don't want you to have Ikea faith couch. I want you to have grandmama's couch faith that is able to withstand anything that the enemy is throwing at you. Why? Because you're built different. Everybody say, I'm built different. Here's, here's how you can know we can be different. I'm going to get to Proverbs here in a second, but I want to share this one scripture with you. Second Corinthians says 4, 8 through 10. It says this. It says, but we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but never destroyed. Well, what is that scripture saying? It's saying that you might have the stress of life. You might have the pressures of life pushing at you and weighing at you, but guess what? It will not crush you. Why? Because I'm built different. Everybody say I'm built different. You might be perplexed. You might be confused. Why is 2023 so bad to me? Why are all these things happening in my life? But you will never be without despair. Why? Because I'm built different. Everybody say I'm built different. You may be persecuted, but not abandoned. People might leave you. People will forsake you. They will turn their back on you. But my Bible says that God will never leave you nor forsake you. Why? Because I'm built different. Everybody say, I'm built different. One more time. But not you will be struck down, but not destroyed. That means no matter what comes at your life, church, you will never be destroyed. Why? Because I'm built different. Everybody say, I'm built different. So if we're built different, I think there's a different standard that God has placed on our life. There's a difference that should be about us than versus the world or society. And there's some things that I think we can pull out of Proverbs today that will distinguish us as being different. And so we're going to jump right into it. Number one is this, because I'm built different, I talk different. Because I'm built different, I talk different. Proverbs 10, 11 says it like this, says the words of the godly are a life-giving fountain and the words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. The words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. Let me, let me give it to you in the, in the message version because I really loved it when I heard it the other day. It says the mouth of a good person is a, everybody say it with me, a life-giving well. It's a life-giving well, but the mouth of the wicked is a dark cave of abuse. So, so what is this passage saying? It's, it's telling us that one of the things that should distinguish us and the standard in which by we live is by the things that come out of our mouth. It's by what we say. It's by how we talk. Is, is, is everything that pulls out of our life, it should give a, people should want to come to it. It should pull people in, not repel them away. In other ways, what, what I should say is this, is that when you speak, what should come out of your mouth is life. It should be life. It should be life when people get around us. Like, like people should want to come around you. People should want to be around you because everything that you say, it just makes them feel good and different. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been around somebody negative? Some of y'all sit next to them. Just don't break eye contact. Look right, just right here. They're, they're just negative about everything. I didn't say everything. I said everything. I'm real black right now. Like everything. Like they're negative about the sky being blue. They're negative about the t-shirt. They're negative about their, their uh, car. They're just negative about everything. And then people drive me crazy. They're just negative about everything. And, and it's just like, oh my goodness, there's nothing in them. That's, you know what's happening is really they're not speaking life. That what they're actually is coming out of their mouth is death. And nobody wants to be around someone who's speaking 
death because death makes people feel dead on the inside. That's, that's what happens with negative people is that you have people around you that do that. And do you know Proverbs 18, 21, I don't have this on the screen, but we say this all the time. We say uh, life and death is in the power of the tongue. That's what the scripture says, right? Life and death. But there's multiple versions in the Bible that are front, closer to the closer translation that actually says death and life is in the power of the tongue. Why did the writer put it first? Because I think he knows that if we're not careful, the first thing that comes out of our mouth is death. It's not usually life. It's usually death. And death is that thing that, or death is that thing that when it comes out of our mouth, it repels people. It doesn't draw them in. And you know, another thing about death and us speaking and what we say and how we talk is show of hands. Has your mouth ever gotten you in trouble? Come on, somebody. Some of y'all lying because you ain't put your hands up. It's fine. But, but listen, come on, like, like, your mouth has gotten you in trouble because we just be talking, 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 talking about everything, talking about how we feel, talking about everything. But, but I, I, there's some Bible for it that y'all ain't gonna like the scripture, but I'm gonna give it to you anyway. Proverbs 10, 19, it says this. It says, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Be sensible, keep your mouth shut. You know what it's actually saying? It's saying, be aware of what you're saying. Be aware that, that you're not speaking death, but you are speaking life because our words matter and our words have power because when we speak words and when we talk out, what people should hear and what they should get is life. And when I say what people are getting is life, really what I'm saying is they get God. Like, like when we talk and when we speak and when we say things, what should happen is people is not just getting life, they're getting God. But my question is when we talk, are people getting God or are they getting you? Are they getting God God's word, or are they getting Susie's word? Are they getting God's opinions, or are they getting your opinions? Real quiet in this Presbyterian church. Are, are they getting God, or are they getting you? Our words matter, y'all. They have power. You've heard Pastor Daniel say this all the time. Our words create worlds. And can I be honest with us? Some of the worlds that we live in right now have been created by what we've said out of our mouth. Some of the things that we are experiencing in our life has been because of what we've spoken out of our mouth. We're the ones that have said our marriage is never going to get better. We're the ones that said our, our child is never going to come home. We are the ones who have said things like, like this is just how life's going to be. We've said things like, I'm just never going to be enough. I'm never going to get promoted. My business is never going to take off again. I'm just going to have to live with this pain for the rest of my life. The devil is a liar. My Bible says that he took the stripes on his back so that we might be healed. My Bible says that I am the head and not the tail. My Bible says that he is for me. My Bible says that he is with me. And so when I get in a situation and things don't look right, I'm going to speak life. And when we go through hard seasons and the weight of the world comes on us and we speak life, people will look at us and be like, oh man, that person, they're built different. Everybody say, I'm built different. I'm built different. Number two is this, because I'm built different, I receive different. I receive different. Proverbs 10, 17 says this, says people who accept discipline are on the pathway to life. But those who ignore correction We'll go astray. People who accept discipline are on the pathway to life, but those who ignore correction. Everybody say correction. correction. Correction is not a popular term in nowadays culture. Come on, somebody. Nobody, like show of hands who likes to be corrected. Nobody. Nobody raised their hands. 
We, we don't like to be corrected. We don't like to be held accountable. We don't like to be told when we're doing something wrong. We don't like to be told when somebody doesn't agree with us because culture has now given us this mindset that you can do whatever you want to do. You can say whatever you want to say. You can be whoever you want to be. You can go wherever you want to go as long as it's your truth, as long as it's what you want, as long as it's what you have. But, but we know as believers that, that God sends instruction and he sends people in our life to guide us and to do what the scripture just said, to keep us on the path of life. And they may sit down and they tell us, then they bring correction in our life. But, but here's what can happen if we're not careful. And if culture, what happens in culture is this, is that when somebody rubs up against them, when they don't agree with what they're doing or what they're saying or the relationship that they're in or what job they're taking or the place that they're moving and somebody doesn't agree, here's what happens. We cancel them. This is where cancel culture happened. It's because people started to sit down and have conversations with people and bring correction in people's life. But, but here's what happened is people are just like, oh, no, 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 you're not, you're not for me. You must be against me. You don't agree with me, you must not love me. You're not with me, you, you must be against me. But here's what I know, if we're gonna be built different, if we're gonna receive different, we gotta understand that correction is a gift. I'm gonna say that again for the people in the back. Correction is a gift. In fact, I'd say it this way, correction is actually God's protection. I'm going to say that one more time. Y'all write that down. Correction is actually God's protection. It's God waving the red flag. Hey, listen, don't get into that relationship. Don't take that job. Don't move to that place. Don't go over there. Don't do that. And he sends it with people. But here's the problem. Sometimes we don't recognize uh, in the way that it's coming because sometimes it's somebody younger than us. And can I tell you something? Don't, 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 don't get mad at me. Don't, don't get mad at the messenger but you are never too old to receive correction. You're never too old to receive correction because you know, because we receive different, we understand that correction is a gift. And so here's what they do is they get so mad and they get frustrated and they get upset and they get angry because you didn't agree with me and you didn't tell me what I was doing and da, 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 and all the different things. So instead of taking it as correction, they take it as offense. Now they're offended by everything. Offended by everybody, offended by, oh no, you didn't agree with me. Now you're offended by this or offended by that. And the spirit of offense is a space that can really, really harm you. Let, let me uh, give you this Proverbs, Proverbs 6, verse 20 through 23. It says this, it says, my son, obey your father's commands and don't neglect your mother's instructions. That's free for all your parents. Y'all need to take that home, put it on your kids, doorposts, all the different things. But, but really, he's talking about fathers and mothers, but he's also, also talking about that people that God has placed in your life to speak into your life. He says, don't neglect their instruction. Keep their words always in your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, their counsel will lead you. When you sleep, watch this, they will what? Protect you. When you wake up, they will advise you. For their command is a lamp and their instruction is a light. Watch this. For their corrective discipline is the way to life. Church, you got to hear me. I knew it was going to be quiet on this point, but correction is a gift. It's something that God can use to change your life. Uh, many of you guys have heard me say this before, but I played basketball my whole life from a little kid, high school, college scholarship to play basketball. And uh, there'd be many, many times I would, I would uh, call my parents or, uh, or maybe I'd go home from a practice and I'd be like, oh, my coach just always just on me. 
He's just always just telling me I didn't do anything right. And I didn't play or run the play right. And I wasn't being a good leader and, da, 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 and all the different things. And my dad, shout out to my dad. Happy Father's Day to you. Uh, my dad, he would, he would do this. He would say, he would say this. He would say, son, he said, hey, don't ever complain when a coach is correcting you is on you. Here's why he's doing it. It's because he sees the value, the potential, and the gift that's on the inside of you. He's trying to push you to it. He said, when you should be cautious is when the coach steps back and he stops saying anything because now he knows you're not willing to receive correction. And can I give us a warning today that, that I'm afraid that for some of us in our life, the coach of our life, which is God, has taken a step back. He's not left you because the Bible says he would never leave you nor forsake you. So don't, don't misconstrue my words, but he maybe takes a step back because he, he's like, they're not listening. I, I've sent them their grandparents, but they won't listen. I've sent them a, a leader in their life, but they won't receive. I'm trying to speak to their children, but they won't take it. They're taking it as offense. Church, can I tell you, if we're going to be built different. We're going to receive different. And we're going to understand that correction is a gift. Everybody say, I'm built different. Number three is this, because I'm built different, I respond different. Because I'm built different, I respond different. Proverbs 11.2 says, pride leads to disgrace. But with humility, everybody say humility. humility. With humility comes wisdom. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because, as I said earlier, Beth did an incredible job of breaking this down last week. She talked about the fear of the Lord and how it produces humility in our life. And, and so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on that. All I'm going to say is this, is pride is that thing in our life that if we're not cautious, it can destroy our life. It, it is the thing in our life that causes you to say the things you said you never say. It's the things that causes you to do something that you said you never do. It's the thing that causes you to be and become who you thought you would never become. In fact, I put it this way. If in short, if I gave you my thoughts on pride, is this. Pride leads you into sin. Period. Pride is what leads you into sin. It's, it's, it's the pride in your life that, that, that makes you think you can text that person that's not your spouse and not get into an extramarital affair. It's, it's pride in your life that makes you think that you can deal with those anger issues by yourself. It's pride that makes you think, I don't need nobody's help. I'm good. I'm a strong person. I got it. It's pride that makes you think you don't need God. It's pride. And my dad told me one time, my dad's a preacher. Y'all can't tell. I get this natural. He told me this one time. He's, he, as he preaching his message, he said, he said, pride is like a stealth bomber jet. Y'all know what a stealth bomber jet is? It's one of those like, like triangular planes that looks like really, really futuristic and incredible. And it flies over, sometimes it flies over the Super Bowl. Um, um, here's why it, was, uh, why it was created. It was created so that it could fly under the radar. And it could fly undetected so that it could sneak up on its enemy. And before the enemy knew it, it would take it out. That's what pride does in our life. It flies under the radar. It sneaks under, it comes under. And here's the problem is we think pride is, is in these big moments of our life. They're these big things. We think that it just happens out of the blue. That's not true. It starts small. Let me, let me tell them myself. In fact, I'm gonna tell a story that my wife hasn't heard, so um, y'all pray for me. Uh, 
It's about me, though, so it's, it's good. It's good. She looks great. She looks amazing. I love you, girl. I see you, girl. See, she don't even like when I do that, but praise God, it's Father's Day. <laughs> she, there, was, there was a time, so she, she created and made my most favorite meal, y'all. Like, like I, need y'all to, I need y'all to go with me for a minute. I'm, I'm coming out the spirit, and I'm getting real fleshly. Y'all, she makes this uh, from scratch. She makes some sweet and sour chicken. Come on, Jesus. And, and, some, and some garlic noodles and, and some whole, oh, Jesus, I just felt God's presence. Like she, just, she makes it and it's so, so good. But when she makes it, y'all, I promise y'all, she uses every pot in the house. And here's why it's the problem. It's because I'm the dishwasher. <laughs> Come on, any other guys in the house, like y'all the dishwasher? Like I'm the one that cleans it off and I put it in the dishwasher and all the things. So it took this one time, it took forever. Like, I mean, it took me like 45 minutes to put these dishes and get them done and put them away and all those things. I finally go sit on the couch. I'm like, whoo, thank you, Jesus. And I sit down and, uh, and then we go to bed for the night and uh, I'm the one that shuts down the house. So I turn off all the lights and all the things and I walk over to the sink. I'm like, wait a minute, where did this bowl of half eaten cereal come from? And she laughing because she know where I'm going with this. And I'm like, all right, my oldest daughter is in bed. She maybe eats cereal. The youngest one doesn't really eat cereal. She's also in bed. I know it wasn't me. So it was you. Like, like that's what I did. Like, listen, I'm smarter than that. I did not do that. Like, I love my wife. I love marriage and I'm not stupid. Anyway, but in my mind, I was so mad, y'all. I was so frustrated. I'm like, and, and y'all, when I do my dishes, I do them right. Like, like I got my soap right. I got the scrubber. I got the thing. Y'all gonna make fun of me, but I got my gloves. I put my gloves on, like all the things. So this takes a whole lot of work. And so I had put all that stuff away. And when I see the bowl, I get so mad. I flip the water back on. I put my gloves back on and I'm scraping this bowl. Now, here's why pride is so dumb because it has you doing stupid things. I could have just rinsed it out and put it in the dishwasher. But no, I'm mad. I'm sitting here scraping and I'm mad. I'm like, she don't respect me. Like, what is her problem? Doesn't she know how long I'm doing this? Doesn't she see? And then I said this. I said, does she think I'm her servant? And just as clear as I, y'all hear me talking, I heard the Holy Spirit say, that's exactly what you are. He said, you actually are called to serve her. Do you remember that passage in the Bible that, that says, husbands, love your bride as Christ loves the church. Serve your bride as Christ served the church. Guess what, bro? I died for them. And you're complaining about a dish. And I tell y'all that, some of y'all, y'all think, oh, that's silly. That's, that's just small. That's fun. But no, no, no. I think God checked me on that because he understood that something as small as that could lead into something where I'm no longer listening to her in our marriage. He thought that he know that, that, that me not willing to serve her means that there's no way I'm willing to serve the church. And so what I'm trying to tell you is, is that if we are not careful, pride starts small, but it grows to be big and it can destroy our lives. It can destroy our lives. So how do we respond? Real simple is this. We respond with humility. Simply put, we respond with humility. So if we're going to be built different, we're going to talk different. We're going to receive different. We're going to respond different. And number four, lastly, is this. Because I'm built different, I live with a different motivation. I live with a different motivation. Proverbs 5, listen to this passage. It says, my son Pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Then you will show discernment and your lips will express what you've learned for the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she's as bitter as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. 
Her steps lead straight to the grave, for she cares nothing about the path to life. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't even realize it. Doesn't even realize it. Now, this passage, he's talking to his sons, and he's very much talking about their marital covenant and their relational covenant, and he keeps going on in that chapter. You should read it if you're not following along. In our Proverbs plans, you should do that. It talks about enjoying the wife of your youth and being with them and keeping that relationship sacred. But here's what I think that he's really addressing. He's not just addressing an action. I think what he's addressing is a motivation. What he's saying is this. He's saying, he's saying, sons, my sons, my daughters, don't be motivated by pleasure. Don't be motivated by pleasure. And some of y'all right now, y'all are checking out. You're like, oh, he's talking about marriage now. He's talking about sexual relationships. No, 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 because pride shows up in the form of an alcohol bottle. Pride shows up in, in those pain pills. Pride shows up in so many different areas of your life. It shows up in the pursuit of money. It shows up in the collection of things. It shows up in so many different areas. And can I tell you something today, church? Uh, what I can tell you is this, is pleasure is fleeting. It's fleeting. It might feel good for a moment, but it always leaves you empty. It might feel good in the moment, but it always leaves you dry. It always leaves you going down the steps of death, just like this passage we just read. How can I preach about this so passionately? Y'all heard me say this many, many times before, but I lived this life of pleasure. I did it for 12 years. I had a pornography addiction, and this was the thing that I ran to, and this was the thing that I wanted, and this was the thing that I thought that I needed in my life, but every single time it left me dry until I realized that God did not design me to live a life of pleasure. He designed me to live a life of purpose. He designed me to live a life of purpose. It's purpose that keeps you grounded. It's purpose that keeps you relationally sound. It's purpose that keeps you faithful to your marriage. It's purpose that does these things. And although pleasure is fleeting, purpose is fulfilling. Y'all, right now I'm living in my purpose and I'm more fulfilled than anybody else. Because I didn't settle for pleasure. I, I said, God, I'm going to live for purpose. So when the weight of life comes at your life, let me ask you this. Do you run? To pleasure or do you run to his purpose? Do you run to pleasure or do you run to his presence? Do you run to the bottle or do you run to the Bible? Do you run to pills or do you run to prayer? Do you run to isolation or do you run into insulation? I need you to know this, that God has a purpose for your life and a plan for your life. And it's not found in pleasure, it's only found when you find your purpose. You know, the weight of life is gonna hit us all. And I like to say it like this, sometimes life be lifing. It just happens. But my question is, when the weight of the world hits your shoulders and hits your life, when that person walks out on you, when that, that marriage crumbles, when that sun doesn't turn around, when those things happen, what happens if you're not built right, if you don't respond right, if you don't remember that God has called you to be built different and you live in this place of pride and you live in this place of arrogance and you live in this place of, of, of pleasure and you live in this place of speaking death, what happens when life hits you and when those things happen, it crushes you, destroys you. Can I tell y'all that some of the pain 
that we felt in our life leaves us looking like this. Hurt, battered, and destroyed. But church, I got good news for you today. This is not how we're built. Remember what I said, we're built on life. We're built on correction. We're built on humility and we're built with purpose. And so when the weight of the world hits our shoulders, when somebody turns their back on us, when those things happen, when they said they would never leave us and they did, I remember that I am built different and I can withstand the weight and I can withstand the time. And no matter what comes at me, no matter what hits me, I can carry the weight because I'm built different I'm built different and let me show you something that maybe you didn't see because maybe this whole time you thought this message was all about you it kind of was but what you didn't know and what you didn't see is this is that the reason why we're built different is because Jesus is different And because Jesus, you know, Jesus did all those things. Jesus spoke life. Jesus lived in purpose. Jesus did all of those things. And when we build ourselves on the right foundation, we build ourselves on Jesus. It is Jesus that can fix things. It is Jesus that gives us purpose again. It is Jesus that keeps us steady. It is Jesus that turns our life around. It is Jesus that can heal us, that can fix us, that can change whatever situation in your life. If you believe it, give God a shout of praise in this place. Church, we're built different because we're built on Jesus. For some of you today, that's my prayer for you, is that maybe you've built yourself, your life on those things, but can I tell you, the only reason you can carry the weight in your life is when you build yourself on the right foundation. So we remind ourselves today, we're built different. We're built different. And no matter what the enemy throws at us in our life, no matter what comes at our life, we will respond different because God has made us different. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one moving around. For some of you, I think you saw yourself this moment. You saw the weight of life in your life. Life really has just been lifing at you this year. And I just, I want to pray for those in the room that feel that way. Father, I pray right now, God, for those that feel the weight of the world on their shoulders, that it's crumbling them, that it's keeping them from being everything that you called them to be. I pray right now that you would lift off the heavy burdens that you would make it like God, that that you will remind us that the reason why we can be built different is because we're built on you. So God, I pray that you dry the tears, that you lift up heads, and that you give us the strength in our life that we only can find in you. For some of you in the room, you may have seen me holding that brick and you're like, man, I, I I don't know where to start. I don't know how to do it. That's how you do it. You start it by being built on this foundation of Jesus. Maybe you're watching at home online. I wanna give you that opportunity to build your life on this sure foundation, the one that won't shake, the one that won't falter, the one that doesn't run when you have a hard time in your life. He stays there with you. 
and his name is Jesus. And the Bible says that if you'd only confess with your mouth, I'm going to give you that opportunity. You believe with your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. You will be saved. So if you're in any room or even online and you want to pray this prayer for the first time, or maybe you're restoring your journey of faith with Jesus, I'm going to do something. I'm going to count to three. Nobody's going to look around. Nobody's going to come to you. Nobody's going to embarrass you. But I want you to do a bold faith move right now. And I want you to slip up your hands when I count to three. And we're going to pray together. And we're going to see God build a foundation in your life. If that's you on the count of three, I want to accept Jesus into my heart. Will you lift up your hands? One, two, three. Thank you. I see you. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. I see you. I'm so proud of you, church. I'm so proud of you at every location. You can put your hands down now. Church, can we pray this prayer out loud for the benefit of those who never prayed this before? Everybody say, Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Today, I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. I believe that you lived. I believe that you died. And I believe that you were raised from the dead. And from this moment forward, I build my life on you. In Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said a big amen. Amen. Come on, can we celebrate all those? Oh, come on, church, we can do better than that. Let's lift up a shout to Jesus.